Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. I'm so glad you're with us wherever you are. If you're watching us here locally in Santa Barbara, California at TVSB, we welcome you. And for those of you finding us at YouTube and goodlifetelevision.org uh, from all over the world, we're so grateful you're with us and grateful that you're here to, to dwell on some of the good stuff and hear some of these great stories. And um, if you go to goodlifetelevision.org, you can see all the long, long form interviews and in addition to power clips that we kind of uh, find some of the great moments from those interviews and and they're really people from all walks of life uh, in business and nonprofit work uh, public servants athletes coaches young people we've had a little bit of everything and it's been really wonderful so we hope you'll join us at goodlifetelevision.org and you can also find us on all the podcast platforms uh, at good life conversations so we'd love to have you join us there I've got a great guest today. I'm so excited about this. Chloe Howard is with me. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So uh, so Chloe just graduated from my alma mater, Westmont College, uh, up the hill here. And we're going to talk about kind of her background in life. I, I will highlight the book. Uh, she's, written, she's written a book, Stand Beautiful, a story of brokenness, beauty, and embracing it all. So you can check that out. We're going to be talking about that as well. But where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. I like to think of myself as a bit more exotic. I lived for five years in Washington, so not completely California born and bred. Uh, but yes, main place I grew up was the Bay Area. And then how'd you find your way to Westmont? Why uh, Westmont? My grandparents were the heads of the education department for 34 years. So I was okay. that obnoxious kid that grew up in Westmont onesies, waving at VV, going to the uh, what, basketball games. Um, oh, but wow. I'm a pretty stubborn person. I wanted to make sure that my decision was mine. So. And tell us kind of about your major and kind of what your what's next for you. Totally, yeah. I just graduated this past May with my bachelor's in anthropology. And then in the fall, I... Uh, start pursuing my secondary bachelor's in nursing. Okay, wonderful. That's a new program at Westmont it College is, for yes, sir. nursing program, yeah, now, which is I'm really really exciting. So, let's go back to kind of growing up and kind of you know, you dealt with this physical challenge. Mm -hmm. Talk about that and kind of kind of growing up. Totally, yeah. Uh, so 22 years ago, my parents got a phone call from my mom's doctor said that I most likely wouldn't be born alive. Uh, on ultrasound, doctors saw a hole where my heart should be. They saw many congenital deformities, um, and they suggested they abort me, um, so that I was most likely to be stillborn as a result of trisomy 13. Um, my parents are people of faith, and they used prayer as a massive resource during this time. And in the final two months of my well, prenatal growing period, some what they say as miraculous things occurred. I was born happy and healthy with only one severe foot deformity, a very severe unilateral club foot on my left side um, in April of 2000. Um, and so since then, it's been this really incredible testament to, I think, the power of community, the power of prayer, uh, the power of resilience um, and what trust can do. Um, yeah, right. for individuals and for a family. Uh, I had my first operation when I was six months old. Um, at birth, my foot was upside down and backwards, kind of like that. Really? Um, and I was also born missing seven toenails total between my 10 little toes. Um, and so growing up, I knew I was different and I showed up to kindergarten in this hot pink cast. And in fourth grade, I wheeled around in my little wheelchair. Um, I've had nine major, major surgeries in the course of my life. Um, I don't think I'm going to have any more, hopefully, but I don't know. This foot has proved to be a little surprise. Wow. Um, 
but growing up I knew that I was different but I also felt like I had this superpower I loved my foot I remember being like three four five years old and stretching my feet out in front of me and looking at my growing collection of scars and looking at all the little naked points on my toes where toenails should be but weren't and feeling this incredible awe for what the God that I believe in was doing and um, this just complete awe that broken things can be seen as beautiful. And then when I was 14, everything changed. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, in November of 2014, I was a freshman in high school and I was assaulted because of my foot deformity. Um, I was restrained, my arms held to my sides and lifted up off the ground by someone bigger and stronger than me. Um, articles of clothing were removed and my sock and shoe were ripped off and my special little foot was exposed. Um, and it didn't feel good. I completely froze. I in that moment felt like 14 years of self-acceptance and love were taken away and replaced with something and I didn't know what that something was but looking back I know that I was beginning to learn the power of consent what it means when we have this story that is special that is ours that in a moment can be told outside of our power without our consent and that twists it and changes it into something that exists elsewhere um, it was very hard and very confusing for me for a long time. Um, I became depressed and um, struggled with PTSD and suicidal ideation. Um, I really didn't understand how this story that was so full of life, so full of hope, this beautiful, not broken thing could be used for so much hurt. Um, but then, things happen in the crazy weird way that they do. I ended up meeting Bono, the lead singer of the band U2. Yeah. You know who they yeah, are? Oh yeah. Uh, one of my of dad I and I's favorite. Oh, quite. Hey, I just gotta <laughs> make sure. We randomly met him, my dad and I, and I told him about what had been happening to me in this past year of my life. I was 15 now. Um, and he looked at me in all his Irish swagger and was like, Chloe, the arc of the universe bends towards justice and love. He was quoting um, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, when he said that. And he said, sometimes people ask me, Bono, do you get nervous when you go and speak before world leaders? And I, Bono, always tell them no, because I know what I have to say is right and true. And Chloe, when you speak and your words are right and true and good, your voice is like a punch, not, you know, a physical punch. I, uh, being Bono, will not condone that, um, but like a verbal punch. And when you speak, you're speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. And I at 15 was like, oh, yeah. if Bono tells you to do something, I guess right, like maybe right. you have to do it. Right. Um, and so a year later, after thinking and pondering and healing and rediscovering my confidence through therapy and um, I found myself barefoot at age 16 on the TED stage, um, having never spoken publicly before. I walked out and fell in love with this idea of sharing stories, um, of connecting through narratives and really communicating this powerful message that exists within us all, that we were created to be resilient, that broken things can be beautiful and are by nature beautiful because we as people are unique and special. Yeah. Um, and so now it's been six years and I've 
continued speaking now all around the world. I've gotten to publish these two books. Um, that happened the week I graduated high school. Um, I did just do an incredible four years at Westmont, um, which brought its own crazy growth. But Yeah, wonderful. Wow. Yep. So let me just back up for a second because you, you went through this, and that, but I want to make sure everybody understands. So you, when you were in the womb, they they said there was a hole where your heart was. Trisomy, you, they diagnosed you as Down syndrome? Trisomy 13. 13. Yes. So, so what is that? Oh, that's such a good follow-up question. Um, a genetic Yes. I issue. forget what the exact name of it is. Most okay. people refer to it as trisomy 13. Okay. Uh-huh. And it okay. usually results in stillbirth. Okay. So this is two months before your due date? Or um, this they is... got the call about four months before my due four date. Months. And at two months, they were like buckling down in prayer. Wow. So, so, the, so they didn't think you were going to live and they were recommending that, that they end the pregnancy mm -hmm. and then they began to pray and, and then the only issue that you had was the foot. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I agree. Yeah. yeah I cannot explain it. Uh, my doctors, apparently, I don't remember, but they were like, wow, this is a crazy story. Um, when I was born on April 17th, the whole like labor and delivery SWAT team came in and um, the doctors ended up being annoyed that they were called in from lunch breaks and brought in uh, because there's nothing wrong with this little blonde girl. Uh, her foot was a little twisted and she didn't really have toenails, but other than that, she was alive and kicking. Um, yeah, I wow. think about that story and I'm just reminded that there is this thing that exists that is propelling our stories forward that is out of our control um that gives me hope yeah unbelievable so when when you did that first ted talk at 16 what what is kind of your the heart of your message i mean maybe you've already given it but kind of what, what, what if you had to boil it down what was that ted talk about yeah my message has evolved a bit over the last six years um but at the beginning it was really um the name is the title of my book um, but this idea called stand beautiful which is that in us exists this foundation to take all parts of our stories and own them and name that story beautiful uh, mm -hmm. no matter what your background is um, what you look like physically what's going on inside your heart or your mind what family background you're coming from you are beautiful because you're you um, mm -hmm. that's essentially the message um, and that first TED Talk had um, some anti-bullying undertones um, coming out of my assault and really the crux of that healing was recognizing that I didn't have to be a victim anymore, but also in my hurt, recognizing that the perpetrators of my assault most likely also were coming from hurt, giving voice and name to all sides of the story and recognizing that there is this beauty that unites us as a humanity. Yeah, this is so good. The, Chloe Howard is my guest. Uh, the book is Stand Beautiful, um, a story of brokenness and beauty and embracing it all. Yeah, I, I've, thought, I've thought quite a bit about brokenness and kind of the, the power that can come out of brokenness, but that's probably something that you've seen, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, 
this beautiful thing that um, exists is that we're all broken. We all have this part of ourselves that hurts, that causes us pain. Um, we all have this story that we carry with us. Um, I gave a second TED talk when I was 18, and that one was about labels, how we're all carrying labels. Sometimes we're born with them, and sometimes we acquire them throughout our lives, but everyone has them. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they're stagnant, and sometimes they grow, change, and evolve. Um, but we carry these stories with us, and in that brokenness exists. But when we choose to um, step into courage, when we choose to believe that we as people were created for so much more than that, um, that brokenness turns into resilience and transforms into this thing that is special and powerful and innate because it's accessible, it's within us. Um, mm. And that truth, I think, is beautiful. Oh, that's so great. One of the points you make here in terms of how you're trying to inspire young people, and by the way, there's, there's, this, is a, this is a children's mm -hmm. version, right? It is. So yeah. there's a children's version of this, because you're, you're talking here, that, you know, speaking to young people ages 12 and up, but um, one of the points you made was stop being self-destructive and choose self-empowerment. Mm -hmm. Talk about that one. Yeah, I think there's this cycle of lies that we begin to believe about ourselves. Um, the assault when I was 14 really unlocked this thing in me. Um, and like I said a bit earlier, I felt like it undid these 14 years of self-acceptance and love that my parents had worked so hard in convincing me. like. Chloe, this special foot that you have, it's special. This thing that exists on your body, that gets to be yours. Um, and those truths, they felt fragile all of a sudden. They felt like they could be broken and undone. Um, but when we remember that there's this power that exists in us, um, those cycles of lies they almost become irrelevant because we know that there's a greater truth that exists mm -hmm. um, that can override those lies in right. a sense. Um, we, as I said in my second TED talk, only we have the power to determine what our labels are. Um, and that meant that I wasn't stuck forever to be labeled as legally a victim um, of this hate crime assault, um, that I didn't have to be the depressed girl, the hurt girl, the girl that had PTSD and had suicidal ideation, I could be the girl with a cool foot, I could be the girl that um, voiced feelings that were hard to talk about, I could be the girl that loved herself um, and did everything in my power to share that love and I think that's when those cycles of lies, they don't win. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the enemy for sure deals and lies and 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 I think I think when you talk when you, earlier when you talk about labels I think that's so true that these these lies labels that are lies that we can just begin to to just sometimes I think we don't we're not even thinking about it but it just gets in mm -hmm. you know I'm a whatever I'm a victim I'm a this I'm a that where you know and, and then we can almost start to walk in that which is a, really a false identity, isn't it? I mean, it's not who we have with the power. It's not who we are with the power. Right. 
you know. Exactly. And 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 I think yeah, that's the, the, that's amazing. Another one, um, standing up for what is right. And you talk uh, you talk about speaking up against injustice and being having the courage to stand. But so talk talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, um, a California district attorney decided to prosecute my case um, and charge the perpetrators with a felony hate crime. Um, and all of us were 14 when it happened and 15 when the charges were announced and um, the perpetrators refused to plead guilty and so it went to trial and it was a two-year process um, and they were finally uh, charged with um, misdemeanor battery um, and I remember during that trial process being on the stand and feeling like I could finally be at a point where I could forgive. Um, and it was this almost divine relationship that I was coming to realize between grace and justice, this forgiveness that happens in that interaction. Um, I think that forgiveness is one of the most divine things that we as people have access to, this mm -hmm. ability to look what we perceive to be injustice in the face and be like, I trust that there is a bigger good that wins mm. um, and step into that and allow the weight of this heavy burden that we've been carrying to fall away and no longer have power over us. Mm. Um, and sitting on the stand in that courtroom um, has really enlightened my personal definition of what justice is, I think, mm. recognizing that um, at the end of the day, there is good. And I think for a lot of us, justice um, involves redefining good um, and trying to find the highest good that we can um, mm -hmm. and striving to meet that. Yeah, wow. So you forgave, did you, you forgave them? I did. What was that like? Uh, it was certainly complicated um, yeah. at first and I am someone who takes a long time to process my feelings um, and so I needed a lot of time to figure out what my feelings were. At first I felt very numb following the assault. Um, I am the very proud daughter of two parents that feel their feelings very quickly and very largely um, and so after my assault they were very quick to have this righteous anger and this drive towards justice and they want to make wrongs right and they wanted to be my champions. Mm -hmm. um, and I so love them for that. Um, but then they also know me so well and they recognize that I needed that time to figure out what I was feeling for myself to process this thing that was going on, this trauma. Um, and so they stepped back and allowed me the time I needed to process and decide um, and I felt, after the numbness went away, I felt a lot of hurt. Um, I felt a lot of grief um, for my foot and for this story um, that I'd been carrying those 14 years up until that point that I thought was this beautiful, miraculous thing um, that suddenly felt tainted. Uh, this beautiful, glorious, miracle foot that all of a sudden caused, I thought, this awful thing um, to happen. Um, and after grief, there was a bit of anger, um, this 
thing that happened that was out of my control that I unknowingly walked into and then anger at myself I said no but I didn't fight back my body froze and I didn't know what to do I assumed that my no would be enough and when it wasn't enough I didn't take any further steps and so I was angry at myself for allowing this to happen um, and then as I continued healing I was able to forgive myself um, recognize that it wasn't my fault um, and as I forgave myself that burden felt lighter and then I wanted that lightness mm-hmm. um, and really I just wanted light I think there's so much darkness in this world so much anger and resentment that exists um, especially in our world today there are a lot of things that are making this world complicated and it feels dark um, yeah. And if I can do my part in just adding to this light that I know exists, mm-hmm. um, then I'll do what I can in my power to do that. Yeah. And when the sentencing came, I felt that I could forgive that this personal justice had been met. Um, and it finally felt right. Yeah. Wow. Chloe Howard is on a mission to empower people of all ages to embrace their uniqueness and boldly face their beautiful selves. Um, Stand Beautiful is her book. Uh, this is great. I, I look forward to reading this. I haven't got to read it yet. I look forward to reading it. Is there, do you have a website? Or is there, I do. okay, what is yes, it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, my website is standbeautiful.me. Um, okay. Yeah, dot M-E. Um, Standbeautiful.me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm okay. also on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram is at It's Chloe Howard, and my Facebook is at I Stand Beautiful. Um, you can email me at Chloe at StandBeautiful.me. Okay. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to following kind of what happens next for you, and we'll dig into this. There's also... Like I said, there's a children's version of this uh, by Chloe Howard. And what a miracle you are and what a story you have. And at this young age, it's, it's going to be a pretty exciting journey for you. I feel very lucky. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. Thank you. We'll see you next time.